we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 59 of Urgency of Change. Each weekly episode in this season of the Krishnamurti podcast is based on a major theme of his talks, such as freedom, self-knowledge, authority, beauty and meditation. Extracts from our extensive archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to each of these universal and timelessly relevant subjects. This week's theme is action. Upcoming themes are observation, emotion and education. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. For more information about our activities and programs, such as our volunteer program at Brookwood Park in the UK, we are online at kfoundation.org. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. This week's podcast has four sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's third talk in Ojai, 1984, titled What is Action? What is action? Everyday action, going to the office, going to the factory, talking to your wife or husband, rowing walking, jumping, chasing ideas, or chasing gurus, which is the same thing. (laughs) You're acting. Life is action. (coughs) As a relationship is action. So what is action? Our action is based on reward and punishment, to put it very, very simply. I'll act rightly if I can get something out of it. And I will I will be punished if I don't act rightly. Therefore I'll I attempt to act rightly. So our action is based on reward and punishment. Our action is based on some futuristic concept on an ideal and action according to that ideal conforming, adjusting to that ideal, therefore conflict. Or our action has a motive, a direction, selfish generally, self-interest, self-concern, which is reward and punishment. Reward in the future. If I do this, I'll get that. 
right? And if I don't do it, I must lose. Therefore, the fear of losing. So our action is always in this area of gain and reward, punishment and fear. Reward is always in the future. Punishment is also might happen in the future. So there is never action per se. Action for itself. Like a good carpenter who makes a marvellous cabinet. The love of it itself, not the reward, the punishment, the gain. So, action in relation to time breeds conflict. Right? Is this clear? And is there action which is for itself? Is love, is love the action in itself? Not the love of, not the love that can, that has jealousy, hate, amusement, fun, and excitement, and sex, pleasure. Love is not all that, surely. See, when there is love. There is action without conflict. And love is not a slave to time. So that is, if you can understand that, if you can have explained and deeply grasped the truth of it, then the brain becomes extraordinarily vital, strong. Not confused in any way. Because then you are living now completely. The fear of the future and the past disappear. The second extract is from the first talk in Amsterdam, 1981, titled the cycle of thought and action. We have to understand the whole movement of thought. Because we are we live by thought. All our actions are based on thought. All the great buildings of the world are put together by thought. All the cathedrals, churches, temples and mosques are put there by thought, constructed by thought. And what is inside all these religious buildings, the inside, 
the figures, the symbols, the images, are all the inventions of thought. There is no refuting that. So thought has created not only the most marvelous architectural buildings and the contents of those buildings, but also it has created the instruments of war, the bomb, various forms of that bomb. Thought has also put together the surgery, those marvelous instruments, so delicate in surgery. And also, thought has made the carpenter. He must study the wood, the instruments, and so on. So thought has done all this. The content of a church and the surgeon, the expert engineer who builds a beautiful bridge are all the result of thought. There is no refuting that, however much you may argue, one may argue. So one has to examine what is thought. Why human beings live on thought. Why thought has brought about such chaos in the world. War, lack of relationship with each other. The great capacity of thought with its extraordinary energy. And also what thought has done through millions of years, bringing sorrow for mankind. Please observe this together. Let's examine it together. Don't let's oppose what the speaker is saying, but let's examine it, what he's saying together so that we understand the act, the, what is actually happening to all of our human beings. We are destroying ourselves. So we have to go very carefully into the question of thought. Thought is the response of memory. Memory is not only the remembrance of things past, but also thought which projects itself as hope in the future. So thought is response of memory. Memory is knowledge. Knowledge is experience. That is, there is experience 
From experience there is knowledge. From knowledge there is memory or remembrance. And from memory you act. So from that action you learn, which is further knowledge. So we live in this cycle. Experience, knowledge, memory, thought, action. In this cycle human beings live. Always living within the field of knowledge. I hope this is not boring you. If it's your bored, I'm sorry. If you want something romantic, sentimental, something that that pleases you, I hope you won't listen there. But what we are talking about is very serious. It's not something for the weekend, for a casual listening. Because we are concerned with the radical change of human consciousness. So we have to think about all this. Look together. See if it is possible. Why? Human beings who have lived on this earth for so many million years are still as we are. We may have advanced technologically. Better communication. Better transportation, hygiene and so on. But inwardly, we are the same, more or less. Unhappy, uncertain, lonely, carrying the burden of sorrow endlessly. And any serious man confronted with this challenge must respond. He can't take it casually, turn his back on it. That's why this, this meeting and tomorrow morning meeting is very, very serious. Because we have to apply our minds and our hearts to find out if it is possible to radically bring about a mutation in our consciousness and therefore in our action and behavior. <coughs> so as we have said, thought is born of experience, knowledge. And so there is nothing whatsoever sacred about thought. It is materialistic. It is a, a process of matter, thinking. And we have relied on that, on thought, to solve all our problems, political, religious, relationship, and so on. And our brains, our minds, are conditioned, educated, to solve problems. Thought has created the problem. And then our brains, our mind, are trained to solve problems. If 
you have an engineering problem, you solve it. A problem of disease, one solves it. And so on. Our minds are trained to solve problems. These problems are created by thought, psychologically, inwardly. You follow the, what is happening? Thought creates the problem, psychologically, and the brain, mind is trained to solve problems. So, thought creating the problem, thought then tries to solve the problem. So, it is caught in the same old process, a routine. So, problems are becoming more and more complex, more and more insoluble. So, we must find if it is at all possible, if there is a different way of approaching this life. Not through thought, because thought has not solved problems. On the contrary, thought has brought about greater complexity. We must find if it is possible, or if, there is, if it is not possible, if there is a different dimension, a different approach to life altogether. And that's why it's important to understand the nature of thought, nature of our thinking. Our thinking is based on remembrance. Remembrance of things past, which is thinking about what happened week ago, thinking about it modified in the present and projected into the future. This is the movement of our life, which is an actuality. So, knowledge has become all-important for us. But knowledge is never complete. Knowledge is all about anything is still incomplete, will always be incomplete. Therefore, knowledge is always goes with ignorance. It all, knowledge always lives within the shadow of ignorance. That's a fact. It's not the speaker's invention or conclusion, but that's so. The third extract is from Krishnamurti's first talk at Brockwood Park in 1978, titled Complete Immediate Action. What do we mean by that word, action? Whether you are married, whether you are not married, whether you are in office, whether you are fairly well off and independent and so on, so on, so on. What is the correct thing to do in my life? Facing all this, not according to any pattern, obviously, that's not correct action. Not based on certain ideologies, 
That also is not correct action, because those ideologies are projected by thought. Clever, cunning thought. And action based according to certain authority, whether religious, political, or your own particular authority based on your own experience and knowledge, that's neither correct action. Please understand all this, because if you are based, if you base your action on your own experience, then your experience is very limited. And you are constantly demanding greater and greater and greater experience, which is greater and greater sensation, not experience. The word experience means to go through, finish with something. And action based on a past conclusion However right, however worthy, but is still from the past, and therefore still limited in terms of time. Or <coughs> if your action is based on a future conclusion, on a future ideology, or a future ideal, that again is <coughs> not correct action, because you are you have projected the ideal, what you should be, what your country should be, or what your group should be, and act according to what should be. Therefore you are not acting at all. Action implies doing something now independent of the past and the future. This is really quite fascinating and tremendously interesting, if I may use these words which are not correct words but as made for the moment, to find out for oneself is there an action totally devoid of time? You understand? Time being the past, with all my memories, knowledge, experience stored up in the brain as memory, and acting according to that memory, which is the past acting in the present, or the past which has had so many experiences, so many failures, so many anxieties, fears, sorrow, project some, something in the future as ideological, what should be, how happy it would be, and act according to that, which again is non-action. Right? 
at least let's meet together intellectually. Then if, you un- if we understand that intellectually, then we can go <clears throat> still deeper into it. At least we can understand each other at that level, which is very limited. Then, <clears throat> is there an action in daily life, in our daily relationship with each other, intimate or not intimate, sexual or not sexual, is there an action which will be holistic, whole, which is not dependent on time, on environment, on circumstances? So we are challenging is there such an action? Or we only know action based on the past or on the future. We don't know any other action. And we accept such action. It's much more convenient, more comfortable, easy to accept such action. So we are challenging each other to find out if it is possible to live a life of correct action which is non which is not dependent on environment on circumstances on the past or on the future you understand this most difficult thing to find out to when you want to find out such an action, if there is such an action, thought immediately begins to operate. Thought says, is there such a thing? I must inquire. So thought is the past, isn't it? Thought is the outcome of memory. Thought is the result of your experience, accumulated knowledge, and from that arises memory, and then from that the reaction of that memory is thinking. That's simple, very simple if you go into it. It's not complicated. So when we challenge it, when there is such a challenge as saying, is there action which is not dependent on the past or the future or environment, circumstances, then thought begins to operate. Right? That's what you're doing. Then thought says, I must find out such action. Since thought cannot find such action, you say that's impossible. You are following all this? Am I talking, we are all together in this, or am I talking to myself? I can do that in my room, but I don't anyhow, but so. (coughs) So, action based on thought is limited. 
because thought in itself is a, a, a broken up thing, a fragment, limited, because it's based on knowledge. And knowledge, however much you may accumulate, however much you may accumulate facts, expanding knowledge over and over, expanding constantly, it is still limited. That's obvious again. Perhaps not to the people who advocate the ascent of man through knowledge. Because that's their particular form of conclusion. But when one sees actually in daily life how knowledge is so extraordinarily limited, you may have technological knowledge, and you must have, and that can to that to that knowledge more can be added. It can be constantly expanded. But is there the accumulation of psychological knowledge from which action takes place? You understand? Are we... All right. One has accumulated knowledge psychologically. I've been hurt Many years ago, as a boy or a girl, I've been hurt. And that hurt has become the no- my knowledge. It is there, inside my skin. And I act according to that knowledge, which is I resist. I isolate myself in order not to be hurt more. And so there is constant division between me and another to prevent being further hurt. This is a common fact again. So I act according to that knowledge. I may see the irrationality of it, I may go to psychologists, I may go all kinds of things about it, but the wound is still there. And that wound is responding all the time. So I am acting according to a past incident. Whether that past incident is pleasurable or painful is irrelevant, but it is (coughs) the past event which is my knowledge. I had a lovely afternoon, that becomes my knowledge. I am going to have a marvellous day tomorrow, and again, you follow, this whole process is based on the accumulative process of experience, desire and pleasure. So, is there an action which is totally independent of all this? 
You understand my question? To inquire into that, the operation of thought must be understood. Because you can't stop thinking if you force, as many people do through meditation, which is not meditation, try to control thought, shape thought, then they have divided themselves into the thinker who is superior and thought inferior. And so the superior tries to control the inferior. You you know all this. So is there a way of an action which is totally divorced from all this. We are challenging you, I am challenging you and you are challenging me. Together we are in a state of being challenged. Perhaps if you have challenged sufficiently deeply and earnestly and with all your being, (coughs) then you will find an answer, which is, I will tell you, but don't, we are discussing this together, we are sharing this together, therefore it's not, I am not telling you and you are not accepting it, because then it becomes futile. You might, then we might just go to some guru. But whereas we can, if you can discover this for yourself, then it, you are free. Then you understand you are something. You have, a, you have a, you have understood action in all its full meaning and its depth and beauty of action. We say, as the speaker says, there is such a, such an action, devoid completely from the past or the future, from environment, from circumstances. It is to have an insight into the total movement of thought as it expresses itself in the environment, circumstances, past and future which is to have insight into action. That is, insight is not the response of memory. Hasn't it ever happened to you, suddenly say, I've understood it? Without words, without gestures, without circumstances, without past, you suddenly feel, but you have got it. And that is irrevocable. It is ultimate truth. You can't say, well, I've got it, next I've lost it. So we're going to find out together this meaning of this word, insight.
to have an insight into something is not personal, is not based on some ideological conclusions, memories, remembrances. One must be free of that to have an instant insight into something. One must be free of knowledge to have immediate perception. This is not something extravagant, exotic or rather emotional, but actual. Where, if you ever had this kind of immediate understanding and therefore immediate action, that immediate understanding demands immediate action irrelevant of time. Hasn't it happened? So, it happens obviously. But then thought says, I've had that insight, I've had that strange deep perception and therefore from that immediate action, but I wish it would continue all the time. You understand? I want that insight, that immediate perception, immediate understanding to continue. When you say it must continue, you have already begun the whole movement of thought. I wonder if you see this. Insight, the quick perception of something is instantaneous and finished there. You can't carry it over. Whereas thought demands that you should be carried over. Therefore, prevents the next insight. I wonder if you get all this. Hello, sir. Have we understood something of this? Because it's very important. Because from this, we can go into something further where quick insight is demanded, so that you never have to struggle, never have to have conflict. Because when you are acting upon insight, it is an irrevocable truth. It's not intuition. Don't go away. We are using the word carefully. People have intuitions, which is their desire project and made happy, you know, all that kind of ugly stuff. This is insight, but quick perception and action is not personal. Therefore, it is whole, it is holistic. And our actions are never whole. We do something, regret, I wish I hadn't done that. Or we have done something that gives us pleasure and we want more of that action. So whereas inside 
is something which is quite simple. But to have such an insight into things, one must have a quick mind, not a dull mind, not a mind that's frightened. For the mind, thought says, if I do that, what will happen? I might regret it, or I, there might be failure, it might bring about hurt to others and to myself. And so the action is never totally complete, whole. Whereas action which is born out of insight, immediate perception, has no re- because it's, it is actual, it is the only action. The final extract this week is from the fourth talk in Sanan, 1973, titled Intelligent Action. I have never realised I am totally confused. I pretended to myself I am not confused. But when I am forced to the wall, by logic, reason, action, I say, yes, I admit honestly I am really deeply, completely confused. And, but I have to live in this world. Therefore, being confused, I do all kinds of things. And this action produces more conflicts, more confusion. That activity is called, is what we call living. That's what we call positive action, born out of confusion. I see that very, the mind sees that very clearly, that's the truth of it, that's the wisdom of it. And thought, moving away from this confusion, is an escape, is an action of positive action, right? So inaction, not action, when there is total confusion, is complete action. I wonder if you get it. You understand? I will not, mind does not act out of confusion. Right? Which means what? As long as there is deep confusion, it will not act. So, I have to live in this world, therefore I have to act. So what is action which is not the outcome of confusion? You are following all this? Therefore, action is a movement which is the outcome of the perception of that truth and the action comes when there is intelligence out of that perception. I wonder if you see then it is the this intelligence born out of wisdom 
that acts, not confusion. So, I have to live in… one has to live in this world. I have passed through areas of confusion, areas of non-confusion. Mind has realized the full full meaning of all that. And the mind also realizes the state of complete confusion and sees the truth of that. So perception has revealed the truth and out of that perception wisdom comes. Right now, obviously. And Intelligence is the action of that wisdom in daily life.